All right, so we are continuing a series on the art of worship and the idea that following Jesus has some rhythms and responsibilities to it that are not applied in any kind of like, well, here's point A, here's point B. Wouldn't that be nice? This idea that if you could just check off your task list every day and be a good Christian, that would be awesome. And sometimes it can, there are pieces of it, I mean, you can have your quiet time and go, check, <laughs> right? But there is an artistry to following Christ. It's not as pure and simple and straightforward. In fact, even when we're really good about being intentional and straightforward, that's exactly when it gets messy and then we can't be intentional and straightforward. We talked about it last week. We talked about loving people. It's like as soon as you love your neighbor, okay, check, I'm loving my neighbor. But as soon as you get involved in somebody's life, how messy does that get and how quick, Right? So there's some rhythm to it. There's some practice to it. There's some figuring out how to fit it into your world. In fact, there's probably a Sunday when we have this sort of discussion format. Like, how do you not separate work life, family life, spiritual life? That'll be an extended conversation for another day because God never intended those things to be compartmentalized like that. You don't go to work from 9 to 5 and then come home and go, okay, I'll be a Christian now. It doesn't work that way. And so then how do you start to look from 9 to 5 like a follower of Jesus on Monday as much as you do on Sunday morning sitting in church? That's the idea of the art of worship. It's a rhythm. It is a practice. Is it an expression of that? Um, anybody have like, well, who's got siblings? Okay, you will appreciate today's sermon on some level. If you don't have siblings, that's okay. You'll still appreciate it. But I think because of sibling rivalry, the passage we're going to look at today has a different resonance to us. It sounds, it sounds very human. It sounds very relatable. You'll understand when I start reading it. But the script, Luke, we're, the series we're doing is coming from Luke, chapter 10 and 11. Now, when Luke wrote his gospel, he, did, he wrote some things very straightforward and methodical. List, checklist. Here's the passage. Caesarea Philippi, here's where he went. This is what he did. And then there's a portion of his gospel where we're at where he goes, I'm taking this teaching, I'm taking this teaching of Jesus, and I'm taking this one, and I'm putting them in the order I need them to to make a, to make a package statement. Okay? So last week we talked about love of neighbor. We talked about the Good Samaritan as the illustration for that. But this idea of discovering who right in front of us is God presenting us to love. That was one story. We're going to hit another story today. And then another teaching next week which lays out these rhythms of life worship. Okay? So love of neighbor being the first one. The second one really, it comes from a question I want you to think about. How do you balance... Spending time with Jesus and listening to Jesus with doing the work or ministry Jesus has called you to. Maybe you've wrestled with that tension. How do you know when to go be spiritual and sit down with Jesus and spend time with him? And how do you know when to go and do what it is he, you think he's telling you to do when you spend time with him? How do you balance that? Because sometimes when you read scripture you go, all I'm supposed to do is sit, be with Jesus. If you can professionally be with Jesus 50 hours a week or 128 hours a week, I would be impressed. I don't know how you eat or sleep or do anything else. But when you read scripture sometimes, it seems like just abide with Jesus. Well, how do I pay the bills? You know, so how do you balance this tension between listening to Jesus 
and doing something for Jesus. Which takes us to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And it's a story versus a teaching. It's really an illustrative story, and we'll draw from it. Now, as they went on their way, he entered into a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha, Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, answered Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by a great many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I mentioned if you've ever had a sibling, you've probably had this conversation with mom and dad, have you not? He didn't do his chores, I did my chores, that's not fair. <laughs> it's a very relatable encounter, right? I picked up all my stuff. Or maybe it's a spousal thing if you don't have siblings. It's like, okay, I've cleaned the dishes five days this week. It's your turn. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a very relatable rivalry story. It's like, Jesus, would you make her help me? You know? I don't know that you want the answer that Jesus gave Martha when he corrects her. <laughs> it's like, uh, I was wrong, you know? But it's a very relatable story. There's an art to figuring this out. In fact, you've got these two ladies in the story, right? One, Mary, doesn't say anything in the entire story, doesn't do anything in the entire story. She just sits at the feet of Jesus. Martha is the one that you know that when somebody's... Okay, your house is a mess until you have company this afternoon. And then you're like, you can clean in light speed fashion. Right? And then 30 minutes after they're gone, it's like it was before they left, before they came, until the next company comes. In fact, some people, I think, invite company so that their house doesn't fall over. Right? So you got Martha doing the same thing. She's cooking food. She's fixing stuff up. She's getting everything ready for Jesus. And she turns around and Mary's just like, are you picturing this? Jesus, make her help me. Now, there's, a, there's layers to what's going on. Both ladies are fulfilling some Jewish stuff there. Mary, the way he describes her, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That is the position of a disciple. She is learning whatever, she is soaking in whatever he is speaking about and teaching about to her. That's where the Jewish disciples would sit and listen to their rabbi. They would sit at their feet and listen to them talk and expound on the scriptures and on the Torah and all that. Here's Mary in this story, sitting in the spot where a disciple would sit. And we don't even have the 12 disciples in the story. We've got Jesus over at Mary and Martha's house. Mary's doing the disciple thing. Martha is running around doing all this preparation stuff because that is what, a, that, is what that culture was all about. If you had guests over... As a Jewish person, hospitality was priority number one. Got to bake the bread, got to get the house ready, got to do all this stuff, got to scramble, gotta, scramble, got to get it ready. Be a host. You got to take care of things. I guess they're like us Southern folks, right? Got to have got hospitality. And so Martha's doing good. Mary's doing good. They're both doing right things, I guess. Martha 
getting a little jealous. Because, or maybe, and I noticed when I read this, it says that Martha's distracted. Which kind of implies to me that she's trying to listen to what Jesus has to say while she's doing the stuff. And even Jesus tells her, you're distracted by a lot of stuff. So it's almost like when you get the TV show on in the den and you're still cooking supper and you're like, this thing? That's kind of the picture in my head with Martha. Like she's trying to listen to Jesus and not succeeding. She's distracted. And so she wants to hear it too. So she tries to recruit Mary to speed things up so they can both sit at his feet. What's so bad about that? Well, it creates this tension, doesn't it? The question that I asked you, when do you listen? When do you practice going and doing what you heard? How do you balance the two? How do you accomplish both? Neither one are accomplishing both. <laughs> Mary's not helping. Martha's not listening. They're two different people, so one can do one and one can do the other. Neither one of them are doing both. So she gets frustrated. She goes and complains to Jesus, and Jesus says, Martha, you were distracted by a great many things. Mary has chosen the right path. That's not what you want to hear from Jesus. I was wrong. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. You don't want him to correct you on your expectation. Now, the question becomes, why would Luke include this story between parable of the Good Samaritan and a passage on prayer? What, it's like five verses. It's this random encounter totally relatable encounter for us if we ever had kids or spouses that didn't appreciate our chore abilities. But it's just like dropped in between these two passages. Why? We have to ask ourselves why. I have a theory. My theory is that the story is a commentary on an Old Testament passage that brings out sort of the main point. This is Deuteronomy 3, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It won't be on the screen because I didn't make a slide. So just listen. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which never you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, here's the key part, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, Jesus quotes that passage at another point in his gospel story. But he says the point is to teach you that man does not live on bread Alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So you got Mary living on the word coming from Jesus, Martha making bread. Both, right? The story implies that we can't live just by what we do. Like, how do you define bread? How does bread appear? Whoa! <laughs> right? Somebody making lunch plans. How's it going to appear? Is a restaurant going to cook it for you? Or you? Have you already started cooking it in a crock pot at home? How does the bread appear? It took effort. The restaurant has to make it, or you have to make it, or purchase it, and pop it in the microwave, or whatever. Like, it, bread is the product of your effort, your work. Now, you put that in this context, and when he says... Man cannot live on bread, parentheses, the product or result of your works alone. But by the very words that come 
from the mouth of the Lord. Now that's in Deuteronomy. And in our passage, it is Jesus himself preaching and teaching to Mary. And she's listening. She's not producing bread. She's listening. But the implication, though, then, is that both are necessary. Did you catch it? Not live by bread alone. You still need bread. If I preach long enough, you'll, you'll agree with me. Right? We need food. We need sustenance. We need to be sustained by the... We, we are sustained by the things we do. By the, things we, the food that we produce. The work that we do in our life. You can't opt out and never work. You'll be hungry. But you're also not sustained only by the stuff that you do, but also by what Jesus has to say about how to do it. Bread alone. But also by the word that comes from Jesus. And the danger is we can be Martha. We can be so distracted and even and made that we may even become disconnected from hearing God. We can be bread alone people who just love serving Jesus. We're not even talking about work work right now. We're just talking about like spiritual stuff. Do a mission project, serve this way, be on the choir, be on the praise team, run VBS. Like, whew, I'm exhausted just listening to your schedule. We can be so busy doing ministry stuff, add to that career life, family stuff, that we spend no time listening to Jesus. Guess who that makes you in this story? Martha. <laughs> right? The danger of being Martha is that we can be so distracted by the stuff we do now. All good stuff. Did, he, did I list anything that was bad? Right? Serve in the ministry, help with VBS, a career, a family... Nothing wrong with any of that. But we can be so busy doing and so distracted doing that we don't hear Jesus. Or, I guess the reverse is true, right? All we do is learn more about the Bible, listen to God, go to Bible study, and never do anything for God. Ever. You can be an expert at sharing the gospel if you don't share the gospel, what's the point? You can be like me and get a fourth master's degree or something. Like, I've already got three. I'll just add one more. Why not? But if I never do anything for Jesus, I never make any bread, I'm going to starve. If I never do the work that God's called me to do, I'm not going to be sustained either. It's both. And if we're piling up knowledge and we're piling up more knowledge and we get got to get another skill set. Any of this bad? How dare you study the Bible? <laughs> like, is any of this wrong? But if you just open another Bible study, and like we talked about last week, you just walk to the other side of the road and avoid the man on the side of the road, what's the point of the Bible study? Are you with me? If you know the Good Samaritan story, that resonated. If you don't, you can go read it. But the idea is you can be following religious practices like the priest and the Levite and ignore the hurt person on the side of the road and make no bread. Tying it back to last week. So here's Mary, here's Martha, here's the story. One's doing one, one's doing the other. And by the way, those are both good things. I don't think Martha really does anything quote-unquote wrong except maybe complain to Jesus. <laughs> right? We're being distracted. 
being so caught up that she misses it. In fact, our service to others is best set in the context of hearing and being in contact with God. If you're going to fulfill what we talked about last week about loving others, especially people who are difficult to love, that's best done in the context of hearing from God how to do it, when to do it, why you should do it. Because what we tend to do, and I, I struggle with this, I tend to go, okay, 20,000 some odd students in Mississippi State, they need the gospel. I'm, I'm busy. Bye. I'm going to go reach them. That's good. Maybe figure out how by listening to Jesus. Does that make sense? Like we can get caught up in any particular mission and want to go do and run ahead. And, they go, and we do things like this. Here's my ministry plan. Here's my vision. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, Jesus, bless it. Oops. That's backwards. We need to be Mary so we can be Martha. We need to spend some time in context with Jesus, listening to the very words from his mouth, so that when we put it into action, we know what, when, and where, and how to do it. And to try to do either without the other is not effective. Run as hard as I can until I'm burned out on my own power and my own effort and my own brain pan. Fail. Sit with Jesus all day and again and again and again. Never do. Fail. It's both. Neither's wrong. Both are good. Both are also necessary. It's a commentary on Deuteronomy. You cannot live on your efforts alone but also by the words that come from God himself. You have to listen to Jesus. Now, there is an artistry to this, right? You can't just get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and go, I'm not going to work. Jesus and I are going to read the entire Old Testament together. I mean, you can. I don't know if you'll have a job on Tuesday, but you can try, <laughs> right? So there has to be some balance. There has to be some connection. There has to be some understanding. Okay, I'm going to, but I have to do... It has to be worked into your life. There has to be ways to have scripture and hearing from Jesus in the context of going and being who he's called you to be, whether it's the best accountant in the world or a pastor. doesn't matter. Both what you do and what you hear from God is what sustains you. I think it's funny that you've got Mary and Martha, and it's wedged between these, two, these other two practices, Right? And we'll get to the other one next week. But I think Mary and Martha end up being a metaphor for what we're talking about. Am I being Mary right now or am I being Martha right now? Am I listening to Jesus for a while before I go do? Am I distracted like Martha or am I just executing like Martha? She's got everything going on. The stuff's bubbling. Stuff's happening. Kitchen smells good. <laughs> Y'all are going to be so hungry by the time I finish preaching. She's got it going on. Nothing wrong with that. It's cool. They're metaphors for how to practice the art and life of worship. I think it's both. We can't make the bread if we don't know how. It takes instructions. Anybody follow a recipe? Okay, this will husbands and wives kind of thing. Who's the cook? Let me ask that another way. Who follows recipes and who just throws stuff in a pot? Right? Or who knows how to make like grilled cheese and that's it? 
You know, anything beyond that, the house is going to burn down. In a couple situation, what do you got going on? You got Mary and Martha in the same kitchen. Mary's over there going, well, here's how it's supposed to, you're supposed to put this in there first. And Martha's over there like, well, here we go. <laughs> There's bread. You got to have some instructions. You got to have a recipe. I mean, you can improvise <laughs> if you want. It might not be the bread you thought it was going to be, but you can improvise. I was, I was uh, in with a youth organization, y'all know this maybe if you've been around at all, but I was with an organization called Youth for Christ for a long time, and we talked about this balance that I'm talking about in two very important terms, and I think it's, it's, it's critical. I, I still remember, I learned it 30 years ago, and it still kind of goes, oh, that makes so much sense. We talked about spirit-led intentionality and spirit-led spontaneity. It's one of the first things they ever taught me. And it's this idea, by the way, did you notice? Both involve spirit-led. You can be spirit-led intentional, or you can be spirit-led spontaneous. The example would be like, if I just, next Sunday, I said, yeah, who needs notes? Let's just talk about Jesus. Or if I, did, or if I had a sermon prepped, but I just showed up and went, yeah, forget about that one. Let's just, somebody thumb a Bible open, give me a passage, let's go. That would be spirit-led spontaneity, or spontaneity. I'm not sure about spirit-led. But that would be spontaneous, right? <laughs> if the sermon sounded like this. Uh, here. <laughs> and I just started reading and preaching. That'd be spontaneous. Would I be prepared? Would you be able to follow me? Would it be like three college stories and a lesson and then go on with your day? Like, it, what would it sound like, right? It'd be spontaneous. I'm not sure it'd be spirit-led. Spirit-led intentionality is 15 hours this week. Oh, the Hebrew there is that word. Let me look over here and find the cross. You see the difference? Now, we tend to think in categories like putting together a PowerPoint for a church is not very spirit-led. Having a preaching calendar. There are some pastors who have calendars. They have their sermon titles and passage listed out for six months. I'm doing good with six weeks. Y'all just hold on, right? But people have their calendars lasted for months. And people go, how do you know that's what they need to hear four months from now? Well, Spirit-led intentionality says, I trust that the Holy Spirit gave me that list. The way the pastor I heard teach it said, something along the lines of, the Holy Spirit can be in the PowerPoint presentation as much as what you say on stage on Sunday morning. That when you've got a plan... When you've got some instructions, when you've got your checklist, the Holy Spirit shapes that list too. Are you with me? And then if I'm intentional and I'm prepared and God gives me a rabbit trail, I can be spontaneous. What if halfway through my sermon something comes up from this spiritual community that needs to be addressed on the spot? I can be spirit-led spontaneous because... The person on the side of the road presents the opportunity to help. Does that make sense? And so we live our, all of it is spirit-led, but we live a life that is intentional. We have an intentional plan for following Jesus and intentional practices like quiet time and going to church on Sunday and tithing. We call them sacred rhythms. We call them spiritual practices. Those are intentional. And because they're guided by the Spirit then we can be free in the Spirit to kind of go, okay, 
I'm going this way for a while. And both are Spirit-led because sometimes the Holy Spirit does go, yeah, that sermon you're cooking up, yeah, let's start over. Let's do this. That's always, that's always comforting as a pastor. You walk in the door, it's like, eh, oh, i got to do something else. be interesting. So we're looking for this balance between Spirit-led intentionality and Spirit-led spontaneity in the way that we work or listen to Jesus. But they definitely have to happen in the context of each other. Because when I listen to Jesus and I go, do, I can learn just as much about Jesus in the doing as I did in the listening. In fact, there are things I can learn by doing that I cannot learn in Scripture. Follow me? Now, the very last verse of this kind of just is interesting because it probably is going to... It's probably going to conflict everything I just said. So just hold on. This is verse 42. Jesus says to to Martha, There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, what does that sound like matters to God and to Jesus in this story? That Mary... Being Mary and listening to Jesus is the most important thing. Can't argue with that. But why is the second half of that verse? Because no matter what you do for God, career, family, work, ministry, it's going to not go well. It's going to pass away. It's going to be handed off to somebody else after you let, stop volunteering in the choir. Somebody's going to sing better than you. <laughs> it's like it's not going to continue. It can pass away, right? That's sad to think about. The ministry you build in a certain place or the career thing that you do has to be handed off to your kids and then they're not good at living business and your business goes, you know, like it's going to, the, the stuff, bread goes old. To use the literal metaphor, right? Bread gets mold on it. When you hear Jesus, it cannot be taken from you. If you're going to, if you struggle with the balance, let's put it that way. Should I do something or should I spend time with God? If there's a struggle there and what to do when, defer to his last verse. Listen to his words because they cannot be taken from you. When Jesus gives you spiritual insight, when the Holy Spirit gives you understanding, when the Holy Spirit shapes your heart with the word or truth of Scripture, nothing can take that away. It becomes a part of who you are, which is what makes you able to go and do and to make bread. So, yeah, sometimes you need to be doing stuff. Sometimes you just need to sit at the feet of Jesus. And honestly, the Spirit will guide you into which path you need to be on in that particular moment. Spirit-led intentionality, Spirit-led spontaneity. Sometimes we need to listen to Jesus and just go, take a break, he says to folks, right, for exams. (laughs) At some point, we have to go, I've been doing, I've been doing, I've been doing, I haven't been listening, I've been running on my own fumes, on my own ability. It is time to take what the Bible calls a Sabbath. Period. It is time to be merry for a little while and sit at the feet of Jesus. Because if if you're loving neighbor, loving neighbor, loving neighbor, giving of yourself, sacrificing of yourself, guess what you have left? You have nothing left in the tank. And it is time to be merry because that cannot be taken away from you. Now, 
One little qualifier. It's art, not science. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to burn out and recharge. You're going to spend too much time charging and not produce anything. You're going to mess it up because we mess it up. <laughs> that's why it's an art, not a science, number one. But number two, that's why God does the work through us. It's not up to you. You're not going to get the balance perfect. Your job is to listen, and your job is to make bread. And whether you're doing too much of one or the other, it is God at work in both. The Spirit is in your intentionality, and the Spirit is in your spontaneity, too. Rest in the power of the resurrection and knowing Jesus. And the artistry will take care of itself. Let's pray. God, make us better artists. Make us better listeners. Help us to cloak everything and surround everything we do in listening to you. Help us to hear exactly what it is you have to say. And then give us the courage, the power, and the desire to go and do it. But Lord, whether we're sitting at your feet or whether we're doing what you've called us to do, show us how much you love us. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together.